0: You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So this morning we're going to start a uh, short series, a three-week series on stewardship. Uh, and I know some of you might be thinking, Ooh, I would not have come if I knew we were starting this series. <laughs> the new guy's going to talk about money. Uh, it's going to be far more than that. It's going to be about our hearts and our attitudes in response to Christ. And, and, and throughout that, because of that, what we do in the overflow of not just our money, But in our words, in our actions, in our time, the talents and gifts that he gives us, how we worship him through that. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks in that. Today's going to be more of a a big picture, broader uh, definition, why we should be one. Uh, The next week after that, we're going to look at stewardship of our inner man or woman. Uh, What does that look like? Staying uh, connected in Christ, abiding in him, delighting in him. And being a good steward of that. And then the following week will be more of the practical. Out the exterior part, the doing part, if you will. The, our expressions of our overflow of his work in our lives and, and expressing that outwardly. So that's what's coming up. So hopefully uh, I don't see you guys in July. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've revealed all the secrets of what's coming up hopefully uh, you'll stick around even though it's a topic that sometimes we want to shy away from in church so um, but to start us off this morning I wanted to share some information I found out this week about Amazon Prime anybody anybody in here does not know what Amazon Prime is um, if you don't I, I can share with that with you later but uh, uh, just Google it right uh, it's everywhere Uh Business Week ran a story a few years ago. said that when Amazon Prime started, that they broke even within the first three months of launching. Okay, so if you're a small business owner, you're an investor, you know that that's unheard of. It took me a year and a half, two years before I was starting, turning a profit in my own small business that I had a while back. Gary, is that not unheard of? Three months breaking even, especially with that kind of a capital investment. Unless you're just as smart as... (laughs) <laughs> even yeah even two years they say most small businesses fail within the first three years uh, so just making it a, is good let alone breaking even in the first three months the creators of it predicted it would take them two years to break even customers spent as much as 150 percent more on amazon after they became a prime member subscribers they not only ordered more after they started paying the the annual fee they started buying more things on Amazon that they didn't normally. Everything from laundry detergent to coffee beans and all of these things. And, you know, I may be speaking to the choir about this. Many of us probably take advantage of it. I mean, the convenience of them bringing it right to your door, free two-day shipping if you're a Prime member, uh, all of those things keeps us, especially in the rural community, not having to drive 30 minutes or an hour to the grocery store. Uh, and so uh, it has transformed our way of life. It says, it continues, the article continues that subscribers spend almost twice as much on Amazon, 1,300 per year on average, compared to about 700 for non-Prime members. The Amazon Prime shipping packages are mostly shipped via UPS, uh, FedEx, DHL are also used, but UPS most of the time. The, the online commerce, e-retail, if you want to call it that, has changed our lives in a lot of ways. Uh, Not to even mention things like Etsy, Shoplo, eBay, and others where if we have our own small businesses, we can create things, we can sell them as online garage sales, all sorts of options and opportunities to to sell things and ship them out. We take advantage of these things. So as I researched these things, I, I started thinking about this a little bit further and and. You know and, and I 've heard this illustration before, and it, and it caused me to stop and go, "Well, what if we have things at our house that we 're selling so my brother-in-law who um, uh, he had an Amazon prime business, and he had a store in Powell, Missouri, that some of you even probably went to and, uh, while he was alive, and he shipped stuff all the time Is you know he would buy things in bulk, take it, ship it, and that was how he made his living uh, for the most part and and what would happen though if he was shipping something and it never arrived where he intended it to go or if uh, say the Kinslow's were making their wood products and stuff and it didn't arrive and uh, or maybe you guys have had that ec- experience. So you're trying to ship something out and, and it doesn't get there and, and you start researching. You know, you're looking at the tracking number online, you're, you're trying to figure out if it made there or if it made it somewhere else and, and it wasn't supposed to happen that way. And, and you're wondering, you're, you're researching, you find out. And finally it comes to your attention through your research that the delivery person, the UPS d- delivery driver that you sent it with, or the FedEx guy, or whatever, or gal, or whoever, they were just keeping it. i just like, hey, I need you to ship this thing that I made, or I'm trying to sell to this person. They've paid me for it. And, and you come to find out that they just kept it. Are you kidding me? Why? And so you confront them, you know. Next time you see them in town or they come to your house and they're delivering something, you're like, Hey, where would that package go? Why, Why did you keep it? And their answer is, well, you gave it to me. I thought it was for me. I just kept it. And I think that we as believers mix up what God is giving us to deliver and keep it for ourselves. Like the wayward FedEx or UPS person in this illustration. Now, God gives us the opportunity to serve Him through the very air that we breathe, for the, every single beat of a heart, through our ability to build something, to analyze something, to teach someone, to fill in the blank of what you do in the daily aspects of your life, including the ability to earn and receive a paycheck. Or to be a parent, or to be whatever. God has given you that life, that gift, to be able to then deliver to others. And yet we mistakenly think that it's ours to keep. And so we get our thinking mixed up in thinking that we're that mixed up UPS or FedEx delivery person. And thinking that just because we're handed this package, we get to keep it. Or we get to keep this gift. And so, stewardship is that aspect of that. Being a good, godly steward with what God is giving us. And then delivering that to others. And so, this is not going to be a series about good works. Okay? The series is going to be about us staying connected to the source, the provider, the creator, the originator of our gifts, and allowing that to fill us up. Piper Piper explains it in a way that you're holding up your empty cup to him to fill so that then you can then share that with others. And that's what I want this focus to be about. That's what I want this series to be about. About us being connected to the source. About us being abiding in him, delighting in him, And that we will just naturally overflow that. We'll just naturally come out of us. We'll just naturally be willing to do that. That's how we show him love. That's how we worship him back. So our text this morning uh, that we're going to be using. And and there will be several texts that I want to illustrate why I believe stewardship is what it is and, and why we should be. Uh, but our main text that we're going to anchor in is First Peter four verses seven through eleven, and I think it's going to be on the screen behind me. Um, but go ahead and turn there in your Bible if you'd like. That's in the New Testament, towards about two thirds, three quarters of the way through the New Testament, First Peter chapter four, or pull it up on your device if you're using a a device on a Bible app. First Peter chapter four. We're going to look at verses seven through eleven. 7 through 11. If it's not an inconvenience for you, and if you're able to, would you stand with me while I read this, just in in reverence for God's word? Uh, I'm not going to think you're not reverent if you don't stand. Don't worry about that. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. And verse 10 is going to be our anchor verse. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. God's guys can sit down. Thank you. So in verses 7, 8, and 9, Peter here is telling uh, the group that he is writing this, this letter to, be alert, pray, love one another, be hospitable, don't complain. And then that anchor verse, just as each one has received a gift Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Notice in that verse, he's not saying go do good works because that's how you get to heaven. That's how you know you're justified. That's how we can feel good about ourselves. It's saying use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. It is implying and saying here that it's The grace of God inside of us that he's given us, that he's granted us, that we are to be good stewards of. And here are some examples of doing that. Praying for others, loving others, being hospitable, not complaining. And then verse 11, speaking God's words. And again, the reminder, serving from the strength of God. Two times in this passage, Peter's reminding us, this is all about God filling us up. It's his source. It's his grace. It's his strength. It's his gifts he's giving us. And we are to deliver them to those around us. Here's examples. Pray, love, be hospitable, don't complain. Words, action, time, deed, resources. So doing these things for God's glory is what it looks like to be a good steward. The Webster's American Dictionary of the English Language, I love the 1828 version here. It's, Because it, it was long enough ago that it still often references biblical and Christian definitions along with the words, and so uh, you can look it up online or pick up a book yourself. But there's two definitions that it gave under the word steward, and the first one is a man employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns, a superintendent to other servants. They collect rents, income, keep the accounts. They're a manager. They're a manager. There's references even as far back as Genesis, Genesis fifteen two, Genesis forty three nineteen, that we see references and biblical examples of stewards in that role. That was their job, to manage households. Uh, Joseph was even one for a season in Potiphar's house before he got kicked out. And then God's grace redeemed him, restored him after he spent his time in jail. And then he had a steward. And we see that in Genesis 43. The second definition that Webster's gives us is this. In scripture and theology, a minister of Christ, whose duty is to dispense the provisions of the gospel, to preach its doctrines and administer its ordinances. Hmm. A minister of Christ. That's not just me, y'all. That's all of us. If you're a believer, that's all of us. And so these are, these are good and helpful definitions that give us a practical picture of what this looks like. I believe there's even a central root that stewardship is anchored in. And I believe that that root is worship. A simple definition of worship is this. It's an appropriate response to God's character and nature. In other words, who he is and what he has done for us through the gospel. Let me say it again. It's an appropriate response to God's character and nature. Who he is and what he's accomplished and done through the gospel. Jesus Christ, his son coming to earth, paying the one time, final payment of all time is the loan payoff of all sins ever committed. And then as we just sang him being raised again, he is alive. It's because of his resurrection that death has been defeated. Because we have that hope and that joy and that purpose and that grace. You might be saying, Matt, you're confusing me. We're talking about stewardship as a minister and minister of Christ. And we're talking about worship. And what are you saying it is, is... Is the, is the answer to be a good steward? This, this minister this minister and a manager or is it to be a worshiper? And my answer is yes. It's both. It's both. And let me explain. And here's why I'm going to use multiple scripture references. The references will be on the screen. Um, I did not put all the verses on there but I wanted them on the screen so you'd have a chance to jot them down. I'll read the verses to you. But hang with me during this time because I wanted you to know that I'm not just making this up. And that's why I'm putting these scripture references for each of these points, okay? You should be checking me every week. And by God's grace, I don't mess up and I don't tell you something wrong. But you are each individually responsible also for checking and making sure that what I'm saying is accurate to what scripture says, okay? I am not God. I am a sinful man. I was reminded of that on the drive-in listening to a song this morning of just, uh, the song's called I Can't Believe. I think Elevation Worship does it. I was talking to Dawn about this even before we started. We were coordinating announcements and just who am I, a sinful man? Who am I to teach your perfect holy word of God? Who am I to do that? Well, I'm a man that he saved. I'm a man that's able to do it because of only him inside of me. So please, please look to him and check me. So, God is the originator, creator, and dispenser of our time, our gifts, our skills, our passions, and our resources. I've already said that once and saying it again here. God is the originator. He is the source. We're the delivery people, the messengers. And where I'm getting that from is a low, Romans 11.36 and James 1.17. And there are more scriptures than these, but these were two that I grabbed. Romans 11.36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. Well, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> For from him and to him and through him are all things. If you want something to kind of preach to yourself every morning, we talked about a couple weeks ago, getting up and preaching the gospel to ourselves every day because we need that every single day. This is a great verse to memorize and do that with. Would you say this with me? For from him and through him and to him are all things. Let's do that one more time. That was a little on the weak sauce side, as my guys would say. Um, all right, let's, let's do this with like we actually believe it and mean it. For from him... And through him and to him are all things. And the verse continues, To him be the glory forever. Amen. James 1.17 tells us, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if you have the name Matthew, which I know I do, Mr. Wilkerson over here does, any other Matthews in the room, the name means gift of God. And this is a verse that's often tied to that. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the originator, creator, dispenser of our time, our gifts, our skills, our passions, and our resources. The second reason why I believe what I'm saying true, is true about stewardship and worship is this. We have all that we need and what we have based on God's sovereignty and grace. We have what we have, we have what we need based on his sovereignty, based on his grace. So not only is he the provider and the source of it, he's also the one who gives it. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The Walton family has nothing on God. Nothing. Nothing. The Walton family plus Bill Gates plus the sheiks over in Saudi Arabia have nothing compared to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. They have their wealth and money because God has given it to them. That doesn't mean they're being great stewards of it, per se, I'm not here to say they are or aren't today. But they have it because he gave it to them. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Here it is, guys. His divine power has given us everything required for life. Everything. The air we need to breathe. The electrical impulses in our heart that cause our heart to beat that gives us the ability to think to speak those are from him the jobs we have the customers that we have so we can actually earn what we bring home the ability to go buy food or grow food that is all from God. The ability to taste. Have you stopped and thought about that? Our tongue could just be like a finger. We wouldn't, He didn't have to give us taste. It could be something flopping around in there that we just talk with. But, guys, He gave us, His goodness, the ability to taste, to enjoy. We need food to live. And He above and beyond, gives us the ability to taste it. And some of the kids are like, yeah, I wish I didn't have to taste all of it. Beside the point. There's things that you like. (laughs) We get to enjoy that. Another reason why I believe that we are to be good stewards and that God is a source and that it is also worship is this. He asks us to glorify him in all things. Familiar verse to many of you, First Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all. It doesn't say do some. It doesn't say when you just show up at church. It doesn't say when uh, you are with somebody you like. It doesn't say uh, when your boss is nice to you versus when they're not. It says do all. Do all to the glory of God. And then the final reason I want to share with you this morning is this. We are to be good managers, ministers of Christ, of what he has given us. 1 Corinthians 4.1 A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. Is that our reputation when others think of us? Do they think of us as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God because the gospel work is transforming our lives and our words and our actions and our deeds and our resources out of the overflow of that are showing others that we are servants of Christ? That we are managers of the mysteries of God? So as we appropriately appropriately respond to God through good stewardship, we are worshiping him and we're responding to him in humility reverence and awe as it says in hebrews 12:28 we're loving him and others out of the overflow of the gospel in our lives why and how because of 1 john 4:19 he loved us first at the very core of our beings when God created us, He created us as worshipers. Every single person in here, whether you choose Christ as your Lord and Savior or reject Him, is a worshiper. Every person on planet Earth that's lived or died is created as a worshiper and is a worshiper. You see, if we're worshiping something, if it's not God, it's something else. The question is, is what is it? What do we worship? What does our calendar say that we worship? If we tracked our words, what do our words say we worship? If we look at our bank account and where we spend our money, our receipts from the week, and we look back over those receipts, What does it show we are worshiping? Yeah, we got to eat. Yeah, we got bills to pay. I I get that. I'm not saying that every single receipt should show that. We're worshiping God by paying our bills because we're being good stewards. But do we have too many bills because of other choices? Thus affecting our ability to have time to worship him with the gifts that he's given us because we're in this perpetual state of having to work, 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 work to pay all the things that we've got coming in. Genesis 128 says from the very beginning that God created us to be good stewards. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That sounds like stewardship to me. That sounds like being a manager of his creation, like he's asked us to. A very first directive that he has given mankind after creating Adam and Eve is to be a good steward, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. God is the creator, the originator, the provider of all things. In business and investing, there's a term called ROI. Is anybody familiar with that? That acronym, a couple people, ROI. Return on investment is what that stands for, okay? Uh, Your return on investment. So if I choose to invest in this stock, my potential return will be this. If I choose to buy five head of cattle at today's rates based off what I got to spend on hay and antibiotics and and the fencing and everything else like that, what is going to be my return when it's time to take them to the cell barn? Fill in the blank. With your job, with your company, with your life, what is your return on investment? And it, and it's good to keep that in mind. It's being prudent. It's being a good steward with the resources. And there are, sorts of, there are all sorts of formulas and trends, and I know they just wear you out at Walmart with this, constantly analyzing down the road. And if you're in the vendor world, you're constantly looking ahead and, and analyzing spreadsheet after spreadsheet, trend after trend, shopping patterns of, if somebody puts these things in their, court, what, in their cart, what's the likelihood of them also putting this in the cart? And how many of these should we have on the stock on the shelf in Jane Walmart versus how many of should, these should be on the shelf at the Neosha Walmart? I mean, they literally try, try, drill it down that detailed. Um, and so they're constantly evaluating this return on investment. Jesus gives us the absolute most savvy investing advice out there. It's advice that's foolproof, that we can never go wrong with. In fact, as I was pondering on this yesterday and today, I was thinking, I wish I could rename my sermon to foolproof investing, colon, got good stewardship. But I was too late in the process. I'd already given Laura my title, and it was going to be printed, and it was too late. So, yes, I have regrets. But Jesus gives us this investing advice In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where should our investment be? Treasures in heaven. And we invest in that By worshiping God. By appropriately responding to his character, his nature, who he is, what he gives us by being a good steward of our time, our resources, our talents, our gifts. Great commandment, great commission. It's going to keep coming up. Loving God, loving others. Going and making disciples. We recently helped a family member move and, and they'd only lived there, I don't know, five or six years, I think, and they had stored several things in in sheds and garage and in the house and in a, in a pole barn out back. And and we're packing up box after box after box. And, and one of my jobs uh, on the, one of the days I was out there was to grab some of the very precious keepsake things that had got stored in boxes and in the back pole barn. And just a short five or six years as I'm going, the boxes are literally falling apart as I'm trying to pick them up. And and dolls from childhood and, and notes uh, from each other when when they first met and were dating were, were shredded and falling apart. And things that you can't replace. Memory keepsake things that, that were that were important that, that brought back memories of your time and childhood and, and time when you first met your future spouse and, and those things. And it and it was it was such a sad reminder of how true this verse is. Moths, rust, time, decay will destroy all things on this earth, including our bodies. We woke up today, we're one day closer to dying. It's just the truth. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer in some ways. And in some ways, it should be exciting. If we know who our king and our savior is and where we're going. So invest. Invest in good stewardship. Invest in worshiping God. Invest in earthly treasures. I'm sorry, not earthly treasures. Heavenly treasures. Don't invest in earthly treasures. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to invest in things of the earth. I think we're to be wise. I think it's okay to invest in things here. Bible has parables talking about the good servants who invested for the master, and when the master returned and found them faithful, he rewarded them. But what is our motive behind it? That's, therein lies our litmus test. What is our motive behind our investments on earth? Is it so that we can have more and get more, or so that we can give more and serve God more? And that's the motive that we each as individuals need to check as we're thinking about this with our time, with our talents, with our gifts, with our words, our actions, our resources. Is it so I can have more or so that I can give more? As I'm, as I'm wrapping up here, a couple of examples I wanted to share with you about good stewardship. Uh, many of you are familiar with Francis Chan. And, and while I wish I could say I knew him personally, I don't. But I just, he's not a perfect man. But he's a man I believe loves the Lord wholeheartedly. If you just, if you watch any of his preaching on YouTube or, or have heard him live or his podcast, this is a man that will literally start preaching and he'll just stop and go, I just have to pray and like curl up in the ball on the platform and just pray, God, I need you. I need you to speak through me. It's just a humility about him and a passion for serving the Lord that I love. Uh, and it's infectious. And And one of the reasons why I love it so much is he's the real deal, at least from what I've read and I can tell. And here's an example in his book, Crazy Love. Uh, I recommend that book highly uh, if you have not read it. Uh, this is from that book and it says... For example, when I returned, this is him talking about himself. For example, when I returned from my first trip to Africa, I felt very strongly that we were to sell our house and move into something smaller in order to give more money away. This is a guy who has six or seven kids. It's not like it's just him and two kids. It's a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers down to youngsters. The feedback I got was along the lines of, it's not fair to your kids. It's not a prudent financial choice. And you are doing it just for show. He goes on to say, I do not remember a single person who encouraged me to explore it or supported me to explore it or supported the decision at the time. We ended up moving into a house half the size of our previous home and we haven't regretted it. My response to the cynics in the context of eternity was, am I the crazy one for selling my house or are you for not giving more, serving more, being with your creator more? Something to think about. The point is, in that illustration, is not that we all need to go put our house on the market and downsize and and all of those things. I'm not saying that. But the point is, is that we'd be willing to offer it up to God and say it's yours. If you want me to sell it, I am willing. Or maybe I can just use it for you by having people here. And hosting people in my home and being hospitable in that way. Other examples I'd like to share with you this morning include our leaders around here. We have our praise team that I've mentioned earlier, that week after week share their talent and their gift with us and helping lead us in song and time. Not one of them's paid for it. In fact, many of them give out of their own pockets to help what we have here be better. The people who help us with the food on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights during the school year when we have Power Lab and junior high and high school ministries going on, and they're in the back of the kitchen, not looking for any praise or thanks, but they're just back there faithfully serving. I think of our leaders in this hall right now. Loving on babies. Loving on preschoolers. Loving on our elementary kids. Sacrificing their time. Sacrificing their time to worship with us. To be back there. To love on those kiddos. I think about the guys in the back. The tech team. We rarely think about them unless something doesn't go right. But every week, they help us make sure that we have an atmosphere and environment that can help us to worship, not distract us from it. I think about the men and women who take care of this building. I think about the men and women who help lead life groups, our small groups, our Bible studies. I think about the men and women who are going to be helping us with Vacation Bible School coming up in a couple of weeks. They're going to be planting seeds and making disciples for the kingdom and our local community. I can also help think about our missionaries that we support. Have the opportunity to pray for, to encourage, to love on, and to give towards their efforts and what God's called them to do. So this morning I want to point you first to Christ and point you first to your time with him in prayer and study hold your cup up empty to him ask him to fill it ask him to remind you of his grace and his love for you And I promise you as that cup fills you're not going to be able to contain yourself. I get giddy thinking about if we all did that. How crazy this church would get. How crazy we would be in the community for the kingdom's sake. I can't fathom how many people might hear of the gospel for the first time. Maybe come to know him. Might experience the same grace and love that many of us have as we have battled past addictions and formal sinful lives. And God is saved and redeemed, and it doesn't mean they're completely gone. It doesn't mean they don't creep up and try to tap us on the shoulder. But they're there. And they're redeemed, and we're saved. Because we have the answer to the best investing advice out there, right? Jesus Christ. We've had several examples lately of, of people who are rich and successful and popular who do not have that answer and to the point of thinking they need to take their own life. And it's tragic and it's sad. If that's a temptation right now if that's a thought rolling around in your mind you're not alone you will not be shamed for seeking help in that and I ask and plead for you too biblical helps medical help counseling whatever that looks like and if you need guidance in any of that I would be glad to help however I can or help point you in the right direction If I can't. First and foremost, who's our source? Who's going to fill our cup? And that we'd be willing. We'd be willing to then deliver what he gives us to those around us. And it can look like so many different ways. I'm not going to go into that this morning. We'll go into that more so in the coming weeks. But... um, let me pray in conclusion of this time and then I'm going to ask Brian and Cassie and their family to come up so that we can take some time to just hear a final update from them and then pray for them as well. Uh, they'll be with us next Sunday also, but then they're launching to their new calling uh, with Surge, their missionary agency in Philadelphia where they're going to be. I'm not going to steal this summer. Sorry, dude. Um, but uh, let me just pray for us in this conclusion and then um, they can make their way up here. So Lord Jesus, this morning, uh, through your word, through your scriptures, we see that you are the originator, the creator of all things. Thank you. Thank you that you've got that. That's not a burden we've got to pick up and carry or worry about. And because of that, Lord, our hope's in you. You are our answer. You are the best investment we can make, the ultimate return on investment. Is our faith and hope in you. And so, Lord, I personally offer that to you myself, and I ask that others here would join me in that. If there's someone here wondering what that's about at all who is this Lord? Who is this Savior? Who is this Source? That they would have the courage to ask about that. Ask someone, explore that, research that, Lord. And so, Lord, we would, that we would offer up our lives to you as empty cups. And that your grace, your wisdom, your love would fill them. And, Lord, that we would then deliver those and, and pour that out on those around us, in our families, in our neighbors, at our workplaces, in the ministry areas that we serve, wherever, Lord. In your name. Amen.